Welcome to In the Deep. I'm your host, Katherine Ingram. I'm speaking today to those of you who are not prone to religious belief. If you're inclined to religion and find comfort in your beliefs, this podcast is not for you. It's for those of you who have no appetite for religion of any kind, but yet have a sense of the sacred. Apparently throughout history, whenever a tribe or a cluster of humans came to a certain point in their evolution, they developed myths of an afterlife. This would apparently occur at the point in their evolution when they realized that they were mortal, that they were going to die. One can easily understand the need for that kind of solace since life was so precarious for most of human history and also generally very short. So rather than living in constant paralyzing fear, Perhaps an elder in the tribe would make up a story for the others to assuage this fear, and that story would get passed from generation to generation, uh, no doubt with changes along the way, much like the game of telephone, only without the benefit of an actual telephone. These myths, mind you, um, they occurred the world over and were each distinct to their own region, became often the central belief system around which primitive humans organized almost all of their activities. So we can imagine how important and how deeply held these beliefs would be. Now, some of these later myths, the most successful of them, became religions. As Richard Dawkins often points out, I think rather brilliantly, isn't it curious that the particular region into which one is born nearly always determines a person's absolute certainty about their myth, now known as religion, uh, as the correct one? Their God, the only true God. Very curious, very uh, interesting. Now we have a world where the myths are colliding in a dangerous way. Of course, they've been colliding for a long time. The ironically named holy wars of human history were bloody indeed. But now we have so many weapons of mass destruction that every living thing on earth could be wiped out in a matter of days. And we have many people so driven by their religious beliefs in an afterlife or whatever other beliefs they might have uh, that encourage destruction that they think they're going to be hastened to their own paradise by lighting that match of annihilation. Even if we don't blow ourselves up, uh, religion over the centuries has often had a horrifying effect on human happiness through dampening and making taboo many of the most natural and beautiful of human activities, especially in the realm of sexuality. So religion uh, has historically and today, uh, been a source of a lot of sorrow. Religion for a long time promoted human sacrifice and slavery and all manner of cruelties, such as 700 years of the Inquisition, whereby intolerance itself was seen as a virtue and torture was designed and regulated by the Church. Religion has also encouraged the destruction of the natural world. As it says in Genesis, and let them have dominion over 
the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing. Even this notion of livestock, did you ever think about that word? In fact, it's the joining of two words, livestock, that define living creatures as product. It's so historically ingrained and taken for granted that the other animals and the plants of this world were all just here for us to devour. As Derek Jensen brilliantly calls our capitalistic endeavors, the conversion of the living into the dead. And it is only in relatively recent history that this destructive belief system has been challenged, largely by a secular world community of educated and humane people. Now I recognize that religion has also been a comfort to many. Years ago, I was in Los Angeles, and I was kind of in the throes of my anti-religion sort of studies and thoughts. And I happened to be visiting some friends of mine, and they had a woman who worked for them uh, from Ecuador somewhere. And she was living in Los Angeles alone on her own, sending money home to her family. And it happened to be Thanksgiving, and I knew uh, the family she worked for was going away. So I said to her, where will you be on Thanksgiving? And she said, oh, I'll be with my church. And in this simple statement, in this moment, I thought about her life there in a foreign country by herself, how lonely it would be, of course, without the comfort of her her community at church. So, of course, I see the value that it provides in the form of community and a way to calm oneself in times of trouble if one is inclined to belief. For many years, I was involved with Buddhism and its belief systems uh, with regard to karma, whereby everything was ultimately just and the good were rewarded and the bad punished, if not in this life, then in a life to come. And one could expect to go merrily along, meeting up with all one's relations through eternity or until uh, one is freed from samsara, the wheel of death and life. This belief was soothing to a point although I could not maintain it for lack of evidence, and after a while it seemed nothing more than another baseless myth. So now for the past 30 years, I've had to find a way to live in this world with its raw injustices and tragedies and random losses and with no story to assuage the pain of all of that. Nevertheless, I have a relationship to the sacred. It is a different sacredness than anything I've found in religion. Perhaps we each have our own unique sense of what is sacred, and I encourage us each to allow that unique sense and to feel free to eschew the dead texts and the edicts of the preachers. For me, I find the sacred in small acts of mercy or how easily a baby smiles at a familiar or even a stranger's face, or when I observe the countless signs of nature's power to renew itself, or when I notice in myself or others how compassion and forgiveness can soften a hardened heart, and thousands of other tender moments. 
I experience the sacred in the mysterious fact of our existence. Not that it is going towards some exalted point, because maybe the existence of our species, like most species of all time, is headed for extinction. No, not that it is headed for some evolutionary perfection, but rather that we are here at all for this wild and glorious sliver in time, and that we manifested all these forms of art and creativity and invention and thought experiments, even though some of those were destructive. For me, the sacred is also in a particular affinity for some of our own species who have turned to self-reflection, what Carl Sagan called a star's way of looking at itself, acknowledging that the origins of all we see and all we are comes from the gas and dust of stars, but somehow has encoded within it a mysterious yearning for union, a yearning for love. This has been In the Deep. For more about my work, please visit katherineingram.com. Till next time.